Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And welcome to Mind Your Loaf, a podcast about taking action on our mental health. I'm here with my co-host, Mar. Hi, everybody. Brilliant. And a team at Irish Mental Health Charity, TurnToMe.ie, who besides helping us with this podcast, provide professional mental health support online, free to everyone in Ireland. Okay, so Mar, another episode of Mind Your Loaf? Yeah. It's nice to have some human contact um, from... Isolation. We've been doing many, many episodes during the lockdown and we've been we've been on Zoom, which is like, you know, this is the only way to be recording right now. Um so how how are you over there in Ratoat? You're okay? All good. Yeah. It as you were saying to me earlier, life hasn't changed that much. We generally all stay in our houses and speak to each other via technology in my village. Yes, well in the Nall here we've put a television in the centre of the square and we we uh, we, we we watch that. And go, wow, look at the technology. But uh, we have, obviously, obviously each episode that we do is uh, got a different theme. And uh, this, this week, uh, we either have a, a lady from Wexford, Waterford or Carlo. Uh, it's Maeve Murphy. Hello, Maeve. How are you? Good. How are you? Say hello to Mar. Hello, Mar. Uh, where are you based today, Maeve? I am in sunny southeastern Wexford today. Oh, yeah. Lovely. It's actually sunny there today, Maeve. It is nice here today. Yes, it is. Blue skies. So, yeah, we're very lucky. And which part of Wexford are you in? We're near Curlow, so very close to the beach, within my 5K, which is great. Oh, yeah, well done. Oh, my God, you jammy. Yeah, well done. It's right. Oh, my God. My 5K has got a Tesco's nearby, I think. That's the next thing. <laughs> well, that's an essential <laughs> service. So, you know, we need the food. That's okay. So, Maeve, you're uh, basically you're a lecturer in IT, Carlo, and but you're doing a PhD at the moment in, do you want to tell us what that is? Yes, it is on unemployment and mental health with the University of Ulster. So I am having my Viva in a couple of weeks, which is my exam at the end. So this research, yeah, has been ongoing for a couple of years um, and it's looking at unemployment within a Northern Ireland um, sample and with people in the Republic of Ireland as well. Okay. And so what you, I mean, because you've had, you, you've, you've, You've done other stuff. You've been so. What draws you? What what draws you? Sorry. What what? Maeve has a PhD. Get your ranges right, please. I know. Blood <laughs> God. But what drew you to this whole unemployment, stroke, mental health uh, area? Like, what? Why is it so interesting? 
Uh, well, I am a bit of a mixed bag. I'm nothing linear about the way I have studied. So I actually went to art college first and dropped out really? and decided to go back and do psychology. Um, really? I studied my main degree and then went on to do addiction studies. And then I worked in applied behavioral analysis with children with autism. And then I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> I worked in unemployment services and I decided I wanted to, I was much better at the research uh, than I was at the practical. So um, went back to do my my PhD in unemployment and look at it with mental health because when I worked in the service, I just felt there was so much going on for people who were unemployed that we didn't understand and still don't understand because we tend to view unemployment as a rate, a percentage of the population who happen to not have jobs at any one time. And that's not really representative of how people experience unemployment or what it means to them in their lives. And if we want to understand it a little bit better and how it interacts with mental health and mental illness, we need to find out what specifically about unemployment has that effect or has the potential to have that effect. Yeah, because it's kind of like, you know, you know, we should all have a job. Isn't that the type of thing? That's- yeah. So there, there is this, um, I suppose, pressure because. Because a lot of times when we meet people for the first time, it's a question of, hey, how are you? What do you do? And then when people don't have a job, it's very hard to answer that question. Um, And so there's also this kind of economic factor at play that, you know, the economy economy has to function when people have jobs. And so the government are very invested in training people or have people engage with employment seeking or job seeking. Um, And so you know, it's an important part of our identities. There is pressure to find a job. And then there's the whole factors on what if you can't find a job or you, the, what your skill to do is not available in your area or, you know, everyone yeah. around you has a job and you don't, or you've never had a job. What if you've come straight from school and you go straight into an unemployment payment and you've never had that experience of, of what employment actually is or feels like or does for a person. So that's all the individual experiences of it. And then loss of employment is, is separate to that again. And, and tell me like, because it's, it's kind of almost people feel like a kind of a shame when you don't have a job, it's, it's like, a, but that's a society thing, you know, cause you'll, you'll see, I mean, it's a, you'll hear people kind of going, oh, you don't have a job. And then they must probably think, oh, they must be lazy or something. But, but a, a lot of times you say mental health is the reason why you can't hold a job down or it's why you can't get a job as well. Yeah. So the, the stigma is a big thing and the stigma works in different ways. So again, it depends on how, where you've come to unemployment from. If you have been working in a career that you've worked very hard to get towards and you're making quite a large amount of money and it's an important part of who you are and you lose that job, for you telling people that you're unemployed has huge stigma. You feel that you will be judged on the basis that you no longer work. And what we have seen in the research is that when there are high unemployment rates, that stigma effect gets navigated a little bit. There's kind of a sense of, well, actually, there's lots of us unemployed at the moment. It's not just me personally. And there's something defective in me that I've lost my job. There's a a sense of other people are in this situation as well. So what we often see is when there are high local rates of unemployment, people don't feel as negatively affected in those areas. Whereas when there is uh, low unemployment rates and someone becomes unemployed, they're comparing themselves to a social other who have employment yeah. and therefore they are more negatively affected. So it's it's about who we compare ourselves to a lot of the time and the people who are important to us in our social networks. So again, like you think about the, the references we have for, for employment. If you know lots of people who are working, employment is probably a, an important marker for you. If you don't know anyone who's ever held out a job, then unemployment may not be the most important uh, marker as part of your identity. And what we have seen in the research is, yes, people become unemployed because they have mental illnesses um, and 
the employment and work situation becomes too difficult for them. And then we also see that there is a, an association between being unemployed and the experience of, of mental illness as well. So uh, it's trying to figure out that, that selection or that causation hypothesis into unemployment and mental health. So, yeah. So what can people do, Maeve? Like if you're if the mental health is a reason you can't get a job and, you know, there's no support there or I don't think the HSE even have anything that they could look after people that way. Because like you can go on the dole and get the dole. But like if you really if you want to work, like like what can people do? So this is a really interesting question and it's something that kind of came up as a byproduct of my research um, and it refers to people who are termed as economically inactive. Um, so what often happens is you go to claim an unemployment payment and that has changed over the years. It used to be that you claimed unemployment assistance. It's now job seekers allowance. So it's fundamentally that there is an expectation to job seek and there is a requirement that you are available and actively looking for work. Now, if you have a mental illness, lots of people with mental illnesses work and, and you know, participate absolutely fine with supports in the workplace. For other people, it's just a, a little bit trickier. And if you were to, uh, to say that to someone, um, look, I actually can't look for full-time work at the moment because I have a mental health uh, problem, you are not going to qualify for that payment and you'll get moved to um, an illness benefit payment. And with that, there comes different expectations of your your need to work and supports for you to get you into work. Um, for definitely in Northern Ireland, they have the highest rates of economically of people who are economically inactive across the United Kingdom um, consistently for the last like 15 years. And what they're finding is that they have kind of, they've changed their payment system at the moment. And what's happening is that they're they're kind of trying to engage people who have disabilities back into the workforce. Um, and the majority of people claiming that payment are getting it for mental illnesses. And about 5% are actually qualifying for support back into it. And at the same time, <laughs> there's this um, policy document that says, let's reduce uh, the number of economically inactive by increasing the employment rate. But they're two different measures and they don't they don't work well off each other. So the employment rate might be increasing, which it has done over the last couple of years pre-COVID. But the economically inactive rate has not decreased at all. So there's definitely a, a population of people who probably want to work, who maybe can't work full time yeah. and need additional supports who, who are not being, being supported at the moment. It really speaks of how important language is, doesn't it, um, in relation to how these um, support systems are, like what is the what word is being used? Is it a, I would have thought that a job seekers allowance is a more kind of dynamic, empowered, um, active word, you know, it's job seekers. But am I hearing you right in saying that that word can actually just, it's making an assumption that somebody is able to seek employment and, and that you want to look at the cohort of people that for whom that is actually really quite difficult that's exactly it. Um, it's a, a change. So the, the policies that we have directing us um, come from the um, OECD and they're called active labour market policies. And they basically tell us, activate the people in your population to get them into work. And it's based on like, this idea that to work is to improve your life and to have health benefits, which we know that it does. So it's a legitimate thing to support people in efforts to find work. The problem that we're finding and that I found in my research is that some people really have a lot of barriers in their way that can reduce their ability to look for work. So for instance, what I found is that people who lack social support in the area of work finding really suffer greater mental health distress than just being unemployed. So it's not the fact that I've lost my job. 
it's the fact that I'm been told I have to find a job and I have no social supports to help with that. So I, I feel like I can't go and ask my friend, can you ask your employer if there's any jobs available? Or it's that I don't know anyone that I can ask to help me look for work. And so what often happens and what we're seeing in the research is that there is this low pay, no pay cycle whereby you are referred into an activation service or you're referred into a job path program. And th- these are support people that are there to help you upskill, retrain, update your CV and help you to look for work. Now, in that, you have to accept any offer, reasonable offer of employment. So what we're finding is that people, for fear of they, they don't want to get sanctioned because they're refusing a job or they really want to work again, is they'll take up any form of employment just to get back into it. And often those te- those contracts are temporary um, and they're, they're not very fulfilling um, and they end, they end. So you end up yeah, back also, in an unemployment. And also you end up in a job that's probably really bad for your mental health. So it's just like, a, it's like a vicious circle. And then they obviously either, either leave or get sacked and they're probably going, well, I didn't want to do this one anyway. It's like as if the government don't, they're not hearing the mental health thing. They're just hearing, I don't care how sick you are. You just need to get back to work. That'll cure you. It's like a kind of... It is, I think they're all trying to... Yeah. Yeah. It, it's I, just that, that there's not enough connectivity at the moment between yeah. the mental health services and unemployment. And lots of the mental health strategies identify unemployment as a risk factor. Like everyone's saying unemployment, we need to, to understand unemployment to understand its link to mental illness. But we're not connecting the mental health service with the unemployment yeah, service. Really and when you think about the people who become unemployed and the, the status that you know, unemployment offices have in communities, they actually can reach a large target of the population who are marginalised, who have mental illnesses, who are living in areas of deprivation that need support. But it, it takes more understanding for what mental health is and also what mental illness is, because we are getting better at promoting mental health, but we're not necessarily um, improving that quickly in terms of the stigma associated with mental illness and really understanding what mental illness is. Um, yeah, and that's difficult. If you're an employer as well and you're told a person coming in has got mental uh, mental illness, I mean, a lot of those employers, I mean, they shouldn't, but probably will go, oh, I don't really want to do that. Do you know what I mean? And then so they get, then the person who's not well is like going, well, what am I supposed to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and the whole point, it's the difference between mental health and mental illness. You know, to, to have good yeah. mental health doesn't mean that you, you're you know, amazing and you'll never have a mental illness. And just because you have a mental illness doesn't mean that your mental health can't be intact. Um, And so there's a dual continuum there that works. And so you can have a mental illness and contribute, you know, to your community, Mm -hmm. to your society and and hold down a job. It just means that you need additional support with a mental illness to do that. Um, And it's the support. Now, employers are getting better in some organisations at recognising that and rolling out mental health awareness training so that everyone within the organisation, you know, is a little bit better about understanding that certain behaviours are not indicative of a person who is lazy or can't be bothered. It's indicative of someone who is is working their way through a mental illness and just may need additional time or support with that. And I also think, um, Maeve, you know, the deficit is in the the kind of lack of belief that a person might have in their capacity to engage in behaviour to get a job. I mean, that and their self-esteem, like their their worthiness of having a job, and and I, and I think that's where training and I don't know education and support needs to be given to the person feeling that lack of capacity, because it is very daunting, isn't it, to to go and look for a job and 
I, I would experience this sometimes, you know, when you go on and you think, oh, God, everybody else looks great there. I'm not I'm not good enough. You know, if you have this belief, I'm not good enough or I wouldn't be able to do that. Other people can. So in terms of. We can call it governmental support or societal support or whatever it is in terms of like a training. If you were to design a training program that not only gives people the practical skills of how to put together a CV, how to conduct yourself in an interview and, and that kind of thing, but how to build self-efficacy, that belief that I have the capacity to to gain employment or I have I believe in myself enough that I'm I can go for it. That, that's something that's come through from um, the job clubs. So job clubs are a great initiative whereby people can go and kind of get a, uh, the practical support like you're talking about. So they can get access to someone that helps them draw up CVs. They can go onto the internet so they can look for jobs. But they also get to meet other people who are unemployed and talk about, well, what do I need to kind of develop a, a personal development plan? And some of the government initiatives also offer that. The job clubs are good in that they also offer a social network. OK, so it, it thinks about employment locally and how it can connect people with that. Now, the um, the organisations like Spun Out, they offer um, job club spaces for young people because we have quite a, a high population after the last recession of yeah. what's termed NEETS, um, which is not engaged in education, employment or training. And it's referred to young people under the age of 25 who are, you know, falling through the gap in terms of where they're not in training, they don't have employment and they're not in education. And so how do we try to, to support them? Because they're the ones who need the confidence and the self-efficacy mm, because they've, they've never worked in a job before. They don't understand what it means. They don't understand the the, the appropriateness of, of what's required of you in that. So it is about building people's confidence by getting them engaged with other people who, who are in similar situations. So a, a sense of, of connection within that. And also to help them you know, get work experience is so important that you can go into an organization and get a sense of what it is to actually love and to work towards the practical skills that you can show that that are, are, are good for an employer, yeah. that an employer wants to see. And oftentimes we have those skills. We just don't realize that they're transferable into the world of work. I wonder though as well, because it's interesting what you're talking about, is if schools and colleges should have, you know, have that be taught more in school of, you know, some sort of way of holding down jobs or how you should. Because I know like when I was in school, we had like, you know, the guidance counsellor, which was basically not really any good at all when I was around then. It didn't really help at all. And then now they have transition year, which is only, you know, one year in your schooling. And then by the time you go on and do fifth and sixth year, you've forgotten about that anyway. It's almost like they should nearly have a subject or something in how to progress on into the workplace. Yeah, and I suppose it's important that we have options in that. Like, to be fair, guidance counselling has has changed dramatically, oh, and, and math, totally you know different. what I mean. Yeah, because I was told I was told I should be a mechanic when I was in their school. And, oh really? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You want to be a mechanic? And I was going, a what? A mechanic? I went, I've never seen the inside of an engine. And they went, yeah, but you look like you could be a mechanic. That's what my guidance so. So the children who are listening there right now, you know, your guidance counsellors, they do much better work these days. But, you know, what you're saying there as well about, you know, we should have a, a pathway from when they're quite young into employment. We also have to accept that some people won't do, you know, typical employment, that it won't be a Monday nine to five thing. And the Generation Z that are coming up are much better at, number one, changing jobs. So that idea that yeah. is often inherent in a lot of us is get the good job for life and get the pension. Well, apart from me, apart from me though, Maeve, obviously. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, a, a solid a solid nine to five stand-up. 
<laughs> Monday to Friday, nine oh, to yeah. five. An hour, an hour a night. Busy, an hour busy. for lunch. An hour lunch breaks. Yeah. No, sorry, mate. Go on. <laughs> no, you're fine. Like it, it's it's about thinking about outside the box when it comes to employment. And you know, I would be very fearful of going into schools and saying this is your path to getting a good job. Yeah, um, yeah. And what I've you know what's been really apparent from the end of the last recession is we've lost so many people to. Um, trades and to apprenticeships and they are such valued positions as someone commented to me once you know I, I don't know many unemployed plumbers but I know lots of unemployed PhD students so yeah, you know yeah. there's value in skills that we we have to I suppose encourage people into you know it's not necessarily that you stay in school to go on to third level to get this job that you don't necessarily want and as a lecturer you know I have seen students come in who think they just have to come to college who think that that's just the next step and it's not necessarily suited to them so I think what we would need is something and again I'm very mindful of not dumping everything on teachers and it's their responsibilities but from a young age to just instill the fact that employment can offer you a sense of purpose and a sense of identity and direction and it it can be motivated because you work towards a goal or a challenge and there's connectivity in it and all those things are important it's just defining what that might look for you in terms of employment would be very different for people and if they had that I think we would we might navigate that no pay low pay cycle a little bit better because people do engage in employment that's you know temporary because it serves a purpose in their life because employment isn't the number one priority for them they might have caring responsibilities and you know those short-term contracts may just suit their lifestyle so we have to be careful that we're not prescriptive to people and say this is what employment should be and how it should look for you it's that we support the fact that employment is important and it's good and would you agree it's good for your mental health to to have a job No, it is. Having a job is good for your mental health. We know that because it provides lots of things that you don't necessarily gain from other activities. Like having caring roles often is seen as a substitution for employment because you are working, having a family or you are working to care and provide for someone, which is a, a valued role. But what we've seen in society and how times have changed is that often that that caring role isn't seen as as important as paid for employment that you get money for for someone else and and that's a problem then we have that reflects on the fact that our you know early childhood workers are are so poorly paid and you know we've seen a pandemic and the fact that we can't live without them we need them they're an essential service i mean there's 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 a brilliant sketch uh, which you can do on youtube after this and it's people being interviewed for a job and it's like they're saying it's a 24-hour job you don't get a lunch break. There's no pay rise. Oh, and by the way, you work for free. And they're like, what? But it's genuine. People. At the very end, it's a, a parent. That's the job. Yeah, they're going for a parent. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But yeah, I mean, during this pandemic now, I mean, uh, how how do we raise unemployment right now? Because it's kind of like, it's almost like jobs are on hold or are they and people are unemployed? I mean, how are people going to be able to deal with what's happening now with unemployment? So right now, I think we're just sitting in it and we're waiting to see what happens and there's a lot of uncertainty for people and what we have seen in some of the research up until about September is that some people not everybody but some people have taken a kind of a real positive light to this and they have kind of readjusted and said well maybe I shouldn't have been in that job or maybe there's the potential that I could do something else and reskill and retrain here I think what we have to be very very careful for is the fact that people are experiencing unemployment who have never experienced it before yeah. and the fact that it might not be a short-term thing and that they're their future is unstable. So one of the things about employment is it allows for you to have certainty about things in your future. It has environmental clarity. So you can think, oh, well, that holiday I plan to do or the mortgage that I intend to pay, I can do that because I have a job. But it's the, un- the continual uncertainty will, will affect people well, if they continue to be unemployed after, you know, when, when if this ends, um, what do I do now? Particularly for people who are middle-aged, that tends to be, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit more difficult because they find it harder once they've trained in a particular area to go back and reskill and then to go back into a competitive environment with people who are much younger than them. And and so we are going to have to really think about the supports that people need in different age demographics to be appropriate to to how we get people back into work and the reskilling. But we can see that already, that the universities and colleges have come out and started to offer additional courses, particularly through lifelong learning for people who want to take advantage of the situation they're in right now and, and try and do something. And I, I, I just want to say as well, you know, there's this feeling as well that you have to be ultra competitive during a COVID lockdown and show you're being ultra productive and, and do sign up for everything and do everything. Um, but this is a pandemic. It's not normal. And so there's no normal way to be. So we have to be mindful of thinking about the future and, you know, doing that in a productive way, but also not putting pressure on ourselves to, to just resolve all our life issues within this time frame. But when you say not not to put not to put pressure on ourselves as well, though, I mean, of course, people are going to worry about the money, their income, and you know, and and it is because I'm actually I'm 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 in that boat right now. I lost everything, all my jobs, all gone, all my shows, all my gigs. Um, there's no income at all. Do you know what I mean? Right now, and I don't know what's going to be happening in the future. But what I'm trying to do is not panic, and I'm just I'm doing exactly what you said. Instead of me going back on to university and trying to learn a different skill. I'm, I am kind of doing that. I'm trying to almost reroute what I do, you know, and I'm trying to put it online or, you know, and, and yeah, and, and the big thing I've found is just, you know, don't panic, just relax. And as we said before in this podcast, we can't control what's happening and we can't control the government's choices. And so I feel that, I've just kind of not sit back and do nothing, but just kind of sit back, take it easy and see what 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 can I do to improve my life right now? 
yeah, you're trying to take control of things that are within your control because there are so many things right now that are just outside of our control. But what I would say to people is that, you know, trying to have some kind of structure and routine in your day is genuinely really important um, because yeah. it gives you a focus and a purpose and you you have something to get up and do every day. It's We have to be mindful of people who wake up and there's no routine to it and they're not sure what time they woke up at or when they went to bed at um, and they're really struggling with the day-to-day just getting through the everyday. Um, so projects, um, something to aim towards, whether it's lots of people I you know, talk to have taken up bits in the garden that have never been interested in gardening before um, and other little projects that they can do, something to keep a focus. Busy. Keep your, keep your brain busy. I mean, I find that. But then again, you know, there is people as well, Mary, probably agree that they don't have to be busy. They quite like to. They they're, they're, they find it actually uh, relaxing not to be busy. Well, I think it, there's a there's a difference between being busy and being purposeful. I think if you know that feeling of waking up in the morning um, and having a purpose, and even if that isn't a job, but you've committed to doing an online class, or you know, be it a yoga class or whatever it is, that you or even that you set yourself a little target to say, I'm going to, I need to be up and at it for this time. It, it's not always about being busy, which is kind of distracting, but about purpose, giving your sense, yourself a sense of identity and meaning. Meaning. I think there, there's a real big thing here, isn't there, about giving your experience some meaning or, or, or yeah, and we can choose that. I do think that we can, we can have an attitude of, well, how can I make this meaningful for me? You know, you be that by you know, sweeping the floor or whatever it is that you, you, you or I personally add some meaningfulness to whatever task I'm doing in the moment right now when I can't do other things. Yeah. And that, well, that's mindfulness in and of itself, you know, just being present in the present and, and doing something purposeful right yeah. now. Um, and it's, it's just about, you know, doing something, like you said, to have purpose, to have meaning, to give yourself a sense of identity, to have a routine of some kind. And again, those, those caring responsibilities can come into that. They, they, can, they can help sometimes or they can really hinder it. Like if you have children or you have caring responsibilities, you have to adhere to those timeframes. If you are single, then you have the opportunity to put in the kind of time frame or the type of structure that you might like or that might be conducive to your lifestyle. And some of that might be a chance. Lots of people have commented on the COVID-19 being an opportunity to just take a breath and just stop yeah, and reflect absolutely. and think, where am I at and where can I go? Um, and that's as important. And, and it, this is just individual differences with people and it's not being prescriptive saying this is what you should do, but work, do what works for you and your mental health um, as long as you're conscious of it and aware of it. And then at the same time, we can have a conversation around how to support people who are unemployed and address the stigma that they often face and barriers that people face during unemployment, then that would be great. Yeah. And so like another thing I was interested in was have the area of when you get on, when you're, you lose a job, if you're like, let's say, I don't know, in your fifties. And I mean, and you think about what's the point in retraining and doing anything like how, and you've had the same job for 30 years. Have you come across people like that at all? Like, I mean, like how do they cope? So I haven't spoken to anyone within that frame, but definitely the research is that they are struggling, um, that there are a group of people, the government in specifically, are targeting some people who are long-term unemployed, particularly males within that age group because of the last recession in 2008. Off of them, those men were associated with construction-type careers um, um, and that was the industry that went wallop. And so they have been very hard to reskill and retrain. And what we've seen is the likelihood of them going on to the community employment schemes um, which are offered through social welfare. So there are temporary positions that you can do for a, a certain period of time and then you 
flick back into social welfare. And then for people who are close to the retirement age, that seems to be helpful to some people when they hit the retirement because they can identify differently with that. It's very different to say, well, actually I'm retired as opposed to I'm unemployed. So people have kind of, when they've been at the, the, older end of the scale have kind of waited into unemployment to be honest um, and then for people who you're talking about in your 40s and your 50s mm. it's personal on them it's personality comes into this as well you know people who are high on openness to experience and a willingness yeah. to change they can adapt to situations better than people who, who who are not as as good at that as not as strong as that and again they're the cohort of people that we need to support through their mental health particularly for the middle-aged men who again would have had a, a really traditional breadwinner role within a family Family, oh, yeah. where you know being a sense of, of, of a father and a, a partner is tied to being provi- to being able the to provide driving. for your yeah. family yeah. you know and that's you know when you take that away from someone that their real sense of identity and purpose within that what do you replace that with um and you know they can be you know the reports have said they're very critical that they feel their family don't get to enjoy things anymore they've taken the money supply away from it um they don't know how to to provide or to be for their family other than a worker um and so there's there's work to be done there and i think the the men's sheds help an awful lot with that as a oh, community yeah, great. Yeah. they are excellent yeah and like with a lot of things it's community resources that oftentimes are, people don't know about nationally um it's just getting in contact with who works locally and who can point yeah and and they must i mean i know i would i'd feel i i when i get online and i get online with other comedians and other you know, like-minded people like me and all of us don't have the jobs it actually feels almost comforting that we're all there together just supporting each other. A bit like men's sheds. It's, so if you are, like, try not to stay at home on your own and sit in and go, oh my God, I have no job. What am I going to do? Try and go to maybe one of the men's sheds because they're, they're around. I know we can't really move around right now, but there might be other, I mean, on, on turn to me, on this actual thing here, we have peer groups here that can talk to each other. And it, again, it's all about just talking, isn't it? And just going, oh, my God, I've no job. And then he's going, well, I've no job. Oh, my God, what are you doing? And he could pick up tips off each other. Yeah, and just going, oh, my, oh, is, oh, do you do that? Oh, maybe I'll try that. Oh, Jesus. And then you feel all of a sudden like a big weights off your shoulders. Yeah, it's the connectedness. And that that's something that the jobs clubs try to do, you know, to connect people who are in similar situations and have those conversations. And again, it's back to that stigma when there are higher rates of unemployment in general. And we can say, oh, look, lots of my peers are unemployed as well. It does reduce our sense of worry around it that, you know, like people like me are in the same position and in the same boat. So social support has always been a massive marker of mental health, it, regardless of yeah. a pandemic, regardless of unemployment. It, it remains an important uh, piece of this. But it's helping people, I suppose, to go to services now that are online rather than, you know, physically walking out and, and yeah. go into those services. Um, so we just need to get a little bit better at signposting, I think, people to yeah. the services. And I think that, you know, as a man as well, you know, when you're with your wife or whatever, you probably just you need to be more open and more honest and just tell her how you're feeling when you have no job or whatever. Because a lot of the lads are going to just sit in the corner and grunt and go, oh, just leave me alone. I don't want, you know, but basically the wife and if you, if you somehow can just get to t- get the whole family units all talking together and then help each other and try and move on that way, you know, that's probably the... It, it's the, definitely the best thing to do uh, to talk about it, but it's very hard for lots of people to be yeah. able to, to say, I feel like this, I feel... Re- and to admit, admit that you're that person. You're actually, holy shit, I'm now unemployed. How did that happen? I was never like that person. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's 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 really hard again, because if it's part of your identity and a part of your purpose, saying that out loud to someone is not an easy thing to do um, because you do fear that other people rely on you probably more than you realise you rely on them. And it, it's very difficult for people to talk about these things. But the, the best thing we can do is have conversations about it. And the more people talk about the fact that we have, I would imagine the majority of people that I know, myself included, have been unemployed at some stage. We have all experienced it, but it's how personally we experience it. And, and if it's, it's a loss of a job that was really coveted, if we have that breadwinner type role, it's how employment is tied into our sense of identity and purpose. And now that it's gone, how do we replace that? Or how do we try to connect with other people who are similar and, and provide meaning and, and purpose back into our day-to-day lives again? It's almost like you're afraid to tell your family because you don't want to scare them. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Course. And so it's not good for you to have to hold all of that inside on your own. It's not. And it's an important thing, um, I suppose, to acknowledge as well that when we see people who particularly have depression and they feel burdensomeness, so they feel like they are a burden to their family and friends, that's a real sign that a person is in crisis and really needs um, support yeah. from some of our, our regional suicide um, awareness networks. Um, so if if we don't talk to people and we don't realize that they feel that burden to their family and they don't feel we don't know that they they feel like they're a burden to us um then we're definitely in tough waters and we need to support those people as much as possible so even if you don't want to talk to your family you know because it can be really difficult to admit that to a family member talk to someone confidentially talk to the samaritans um the new local number that the hse have put up like talk to someone in confidence that you don't know and just explain that I feel like this and, and to understand that other people feel like that too. Yeah, and, it, it's and that's so important, isn't it? Perfectly f- okay for you. Yeah. And is it is it a class thing, Maeve, you know, the way it goes? As in like, you know, different classes will be open to different things, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? Like, so like, or is, is that just rubbish? Um, I didn't look at social class. There's definitely in the research, you know, people who have had higher paid positions and in the more managerial type positions and lost them, they seem to suffer greater negative effect than someone who has moved from a position that wasn't as valued or esteemed um, as part of their identity. Um, And so maybe class can come into that. There's definitely... Um, in areas of higher deprivation, particularly in Northern Ireland, there's higher rates of mental illness. And we often see then that there's greater stigma in areas of deprivation. So that's not helpful, higher rates of mental illness and higher rates of stigma. And Maeve, is the stigma within the person themselves or is is that an external judgment of that cohort of people? Yeah, no, it, it's both. It's the, the feeling personally that I don't want to tell someone this because I'm afraid of how they're going to react. And also okay. as well, the rest of us, we often encourage stigma without even realising we're doing it. And that's yeah. back to that comment you made about language. You know, we can say things all the time like, oh, that person is mental, that person is mad, that person's deranged, that person's a psycho. And we just say those things off the top of our tongue. And then mm-hmm. what they're saying all the time is, you are, if you are any of those words, then you are different or unusual or separate to what the rest of us are. And then if you want to say to someone, well, I have a mental illness and you're afraid that people will think that you come under one of those terms, you're less likely to want to disclose that information. I would love to be able to walk into a lecture hall and say, how many people here have been to the dentist in the last year and have them put up their hands? And then say, how many people here have taken antidepressants in the last year? But I know that people are not comfortable doing that. And there's, there's a fear that if I say that and I acknowledge that, that, you know, people will think of me differently. But, you know, the rates of mental illness in Ireland are high. And so Mm -hmm. the likelihood that you have yourself or you know someone who's had a mental illness is really, really logical. It's just we don't talk about it enough for fear of how other people are going to react and our own internalised fear of what mental illness means to me and how I interpret it and perceive it as well. So, I mean, um, 
basically what we have to be, I mean, like just before we finish up is just more aware of uh, unemployment not being necessarily the fault of the person for like, I mean, the stigma is lazy. That's it, isn't it? Oh, they're lazy. That's why they don't want to work. No, it's not. We've got to open our eyes and see exactly why they they can't work or they can't get a job. And and that also goes on the employers as well when they're bringing people in to not just wipe people off that you know might have a mental illness or a mental health problem. And so it needs to be on both sides, isn't it? If we all, it needs to be brought out and everybody needs to be more aware. But like, that's like how long it's a piece of string. Like, how do you even do that? You know, I remember seeing this, sorry, Maeve, to interrupt, but I remember seeing this um, cartoon and it was explaining the difference between equality and equity. And do you know that that it's like a fence and there's yeah. two people, one is taller than the other. And both of them are given, uh, just to explain to somebody who doesn't know this, uh, both are given like a bucket or something to stand on. The tall person can see over the fence with that bucket but the small person still can't see over the the fence and that's equality so they're both given the same thing but in equity it's where the smaller person is given a higher a taller bucket bucket to stand on so they can both see over the fence and i do think that's what we're talking about here isn't it it's it's about acknowledging there's a difference there's different needs different people have different leads and different levels but we're all we should all have equal access in the ideal world we should all have equal access to our potential Equal access you know, to how we're treated, you know, because... And how, exactly, that's it, yeah. Because with equity as well, I mean, the, the employ, unemployment system is set up to be equal, you know, to have equality. So everyone, if you don't meet the criteria, you will get sanctioned or you'll have your payments cut off and that applies across the board. But if you are someone who has never been employed, if you don't know anyone who's ever had a job, if you don't have those social connections, if you don't have a sense of purpose that's tied to employment, you get it in other ways and other in other purposes, then, you know, you are already disadvantaged within that system. And we know that sanctions are applied at a higher rate to younger people as well. So, you know, how do we support younger people to, uh, to feel a sense of purpose, to have self-efficacy and to support them into training and into employment, if that's how we understand it? Like there could be loads of jobs available to people if we wanted to put more mental health services within communities. Um, And particularly because the most uh, beneficial person to a mental health service is someone who has direct experience of it. Um, And if we could get more people who've experienced it and to be, you know, open and uh, honest about that in their communities, and that's a big ask, then, you know, that that would be a great job for people to have or a support network to have. And bring it back in then to the micro, like into our families, our our social circles, where we have family members who are unemployed or people struggling with the fact that they are unemployed. What can we do to support our loved ones or our friends in, in this? Just be understanding that people experience unemployment in different ways. And just being aware of how much time are you spending talking about jobs and the importance of jobs and all the things into the future. And is that making someone feel worse about themselves? Mm -hmm. Just support people, make sure that they understand they're not a burden to you, whether they have or don't have a job. They are loved and appreciated regardless. Your your sense of support in them is not conditional on them being employed right now. Um, And to take it easy with people that if you can find structure and meaning in your day, go for it and do it. If you need to take a time, a moment to pause and figure out what's next, then that's perfectly fine as well. But keep the conversations open. Keep connecting people with services or suggestions that you think might help them out. Okay. Well, look, Maeve, thanks a million. That's uh, 
above and beyond with the info. <laughs> and do you know and, what, Dave, I think it's great that, you know, talking about access to, to information, because conversations are so hard, as you said, people find it so difficult and especially like stigma and shame, there's silence in that, you know, that that's almost silences us. But even opening your ear up or opening your eyes up and knowing that this is research, the research is showing, this is fact, Mental, uh, unemployment has an impact on our mental health. Our mental health has an impact on our employment. Even somebody listening to this show who, who feels difficult to talk about, to know that this is the rea- this is how it is. It, yeah. As you said, Jason, it's not your fault. You know that there's there's so many facets to it, and and we we have to be gentle and kind to ourselves in all of this as well, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and believe in ourselves. So and just be mindful of when we talk about unemployment that it's not all the percentages. Yeah, exactly. So it's not just numbers. It's it's a person. It's a collection of personal experiences in this. Absolutely. Yeah. Maeve, thank you so much, and best of luck with uh, your PhD. Yeah, Maeve. Good, good luck with that. Yeah. And um, you'll be happy to know that I'm probably never going to retire. So everybody that's listening in can uh, have a little. Yeah, well, Jason, I'm happier to know you'll never be a mechanic. To be honest, <laughs> ah, I'll give it a bash. <laughs> I'd give it a bash. I'd give it a bash. Don't <laughs> mind yourself. Thank Maeve. you okay. so much, Thank Maeve. you so much, Maeve. Thanks, Maeve Murphy. Maeve. So Thank you all. Okay, bye, 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 bye. And away Maeve goes, Marion, into the unemployment research. <laughs> so she's very well, good. I, I, do you know what? I, I really, really enjoyed and got a lot out of that conversation with Maeve. I, I feel you know, that the facts and the research, they're in such safe hands. Or she's a real adept understanding yeah. of the entire thing and and a very, um, oh, it, it, it's pro-unemployed person. And before this, I would never have thought about unemployment, you know, it being like a mental issue or, you know, I know it's a silly thing to say, but I, it wouldn't really be on my radar to be worry, worrying about unemployed people because it was never something that came up. But now it's it's another thing that we should all be thinking about is, yeah. is going, oh, my and God. It's so nuanced. It's not a black and white situation. No. It's not like employed unemployed like and there's and it, you and, and that's the stigma you see isn't it because it's like it's like you don't work because you don't want to end the story you work very reductive and it's so like it is really important to always realize nothing is one thing or the other there there's there is nuance you know there's gradients there's spectrums there's everything you know and and and, and to just be kind to the person who isn't working what is asking them what is it like for you to not work it must be really hard even just to open up the conversation yeah you could you could look at this look at someone that you don't know and go oh my god they're lazy you sit down with them and by the end of the conversation you're probably crying going oh my god is that why you can't work i'm so sorry i didn't realize yeah you know and the other thing just just again that really struck me when i was just doing reading myself about this it, it is again that you know that some some of us just don't have the belief in ourselves that we are capable of getting a job never mind having a job mm. but that we feel that we're not good enough to even step into the arena to look for a job and I think for any of those people listening like just to, to kind of give yourselves a chance mm. you know you all of us are as good as each other we just have to we have to try you know give yourself a chance um going back to that thing the, the beliefs that we have about ourselves aren't necessarily true yeah know? Maybe yeah. what you think about yourself is absolutely not true and just go for it. Just try it out. 
And and when you go to an employer as well and you go to an interview, they don't want you to fail in the interview. They want, they want to employ you. They want you to do a good interview. You know what I mean? So don't go in going, oh my God, they probably hate me. They probably think I'm shit. Oh my God. Do you know what I mean? Because when you go for interviews, I've done them in the past. I'm going, oh my God, they probably, but it's not. They, they come, you go in and they're not grilling you. They're just wondering if it's, this is something you'd like to do, you know? And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, we will all find what we like to do. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, just to, to end, right. There's, there's a question my friend asked me at the weekend and it's a kind of like a question of, kind of tapping into who who am I you know um what way do I want my life to be and, it, and the question is what makes you feel most alive I want to leave you with that question that you all ask yourselves that question what makes you feel most alive most enlivened and, and, and be whatever that is well then let that be the kind of compass on 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 you moving forward from wherever you are and, and, and maybe a way to put meaning on how your life is right now at the moment Pogo sticks. Is it so fun? Pogo sticks is probably the. <laughs> no. <laughs> there you go. I'm just, you know, that's a comics job, Mar, to put a little tag on the end that goes, oh, Jesus, thanks very much, Jason. We were having a good, thoughtful, insight moment. Yeah. Get yourself a pogo stick. And, and there's my phone ringing now going, eh, it's nearly two o'clock and you go. Right. So, Mar, thanks a million. And thanks everybody for listening thanks, to this episode. See you all next time. And we will have many more, many more episodes. Talk to you later. Mind your loaves. Mind yourself. Mind your loaves, yourselves, your loaves, your bread and your everything. Turn to Me provides professional mental health support. Ah, uh, Jason, the- oh. do your, uh, you know, your ad voice. Oh, yeah, I'll do the yeah, ad. Yeah. Okay, oh. I'll do a proper ad okay. thing. Okay, ready? Yeah. As a registered charity, Turn To Me provides professional mental health support online for anyone in Ireland going through a tough time. From one-to-one counselling to group and peer support, Turn To Me is accessible from any device anywhere in Ireland. If you would like to support Turn To Me, you can donate €4 Euros by texting Turn To Me to 50300. Text costs €4. Euros. Turn To Me will receive a minimum of €3.60 Euros service provider-like charity. Helpline 077 Six six eight zero five two seven eight. Is that you? Yeah, that was actually me okay. there. Was going to... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.